We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, The Bearcast. We're back recording at a uh, pretty early time, 11.18 p.m. currently. That late night shift. On a Friday night. Yeah, you wonder if we have lives. We do. We do. We clearly do. This is our life. Um, but we just wanted to get a podcast in this week about, um, I don't know, is this sad news? Mm-hmm. Would you consider it sad news? Yeah, I've been pretty sad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been pretty. I've been pretty depressed too. Um, but our head coach Conzo Martin has now left for the Show Me State, the University of Missouri, three point five million dollar annual contract for seven years, five years guaranteed. A lot of money. A lot of money, and apparently, with the statement that Mike Williams gave out um, to the season ticket holders. You know, they did whatever they could to try and convince Conzo to stay, but the allure of coaching near home was too big. Um, his mom, I believe, is still lives in East St. Louis, which is about a one-and-a-half-hour drive from Columbus, definitely closer to mom. Um, I believe his kid, his son, goes to Purdue, I believe, which is Purdue? I think it's Purdue, um, which is not that far away from Columbus, Missouri as well. So it, I think it just the opportunity presented itself and the timing was right. And knowing that your roster is going to be I, – I thought the next year's roster would be good, but it's still a, a, a rebuild roster because you're not – Ivan's definitely going to leave. So then you have to build up all these freshmen and build up your depth all over again. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, we are back in the coaching hunt. Uh, what is it? Maybe three months removed from finding Wilcox. It feels familiar. <laughs> it's actually kind of fun. It's all off season. Like, I mean, it's fun in a, <laughs> in a bad way. Yeah. But can we just get a normal off season? Like last off season was the whole Sunny going to Mizzou thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that took up pretty much all of the off season. And this year it was Sunny going to Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. 
and then Sonny being going nowhere, <laughs> and then uh, and then Kwanzaa going to Missouri because yeah. apparently Cal coaches or Cal coaching is highly a step along the way towards going to Missouri, Missouri. <laughs> which makes <laughs> zero sense. Uh... Well, I mean, the rumors started circulating late last week that Illinois would have an open position, North Carolina <coughs> State had an open position, and Missouri would have an open position, and that Conzo was high on the list of all three. I think most of us kind of went, Psh, like those three, really? But then we didn't think that Missouri would come at him with a war chest. like Life-changing money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Especially in Missouri. Yeah. Where it's not a million dollars to buy a home. No. Conzo made Conzo made a little less than two mil here. Um, and that was, I believe, in the upper echelon of the Pac-12 in terms of basketball coaches. You'd be making 3.5 mil in the SEC. It's, it's still like middle to high. You said it's SEC. like top 10 nationally? In the country, yeah, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. So how does Missouri have all this money? I do not know. Maybe lots of donors. Maybe they convinced their donors and their big alumni. It's like, hey, you see what this guy can do? Let's bring him home and rejuvenate the the basketball. He can recruit. He can recruit. He can play defense. Yep. And he can underwhelm. Yep. So I looked at – so here's the thing. I watched all of – you know how Tennessee fans came at us when Conzo moved here? I highly I don't think any Cal fans are gonna do the same to Missouri fans. We're not we're really not gonna care. But it's funny to see Missouri fans, because the rumors are circulating right now that Michael Porter, who's the number one player in the country, um, his dad is going to be a part of Conzo's staff at Missouri. His dad was a part of Lorenzo Romar's staff at Washington, which is why he was committed there. But now that he's fired and everything, so no official news has come out yet. But his younger brother, who was also committed to the University of Washington, decommitted, I believe, yesterday or today. So the the dominoes are starting to fall wow. in, in that in that aspect. And Missouri fans are getting excited. You know, it it felt like us when remember when we heard started hearing the news about Jalen Brown potentially coming to Cal, making that secret visit out here. And we're like, can this be? Can can this stuff really happen to us? And you can see it in the Missouri fans' Twitter base. It's it's so funny to me, um, not a bad way. It's just like you can you can tell like they're like some guys were like tweeting like, all right, let's wait until the ink dries first. You know, it it was the Cal approach to it, right? Like I'm not gonna believe all this until I actually see him like in a Cal shirt or like you know on campus. And you know, I feel for the Missouri fans if that's how they feel. I'm like, yeah. Go on with it, because um, it, it felt great, and it'll feel good for Missouri fans out there. You know, you pull one guy that you never would have thought <laughs> in your wildest dreams you'd be able to pull, and all of a sudden, you might have the number one player in the country and the potential number one overall pick playing for your team for a year. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. At least, yeah, the bright side, of, he didn't leave to go to a program full of fans, <laughs> like SC fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's let's move on from that for a little bit. Let's uh, let's talk about what he accomplished here. You know, as like our is this is this a good way to find closure? Yeah, yeah. Let's find cathartic. closure with this. Yeah, yeah. So what what were you, your general thoughts on his three years here? 
So this might be an unpopular opinion. Yes. But I always thought that um, Kwanzo did a pretty damn good job. I'm not of the the likes of the Cal fans that want us or believe that we should be in the tournament every year. I think you and I discussed, I was pretty okay with going to the tournament one year, missing the next, going to the tournament the next year, missing the next, like, you know, kind of like one year above, one year down, one year above, that's fine for me. Um, and so with that standard in place, I actually thought he delivered pretty well on it. To go 18-0 at home, that was unbelievable. And that was the excitement that kind of brought back excitement to Cal basketball for me. It, it lured me back in because I had been out uh, since I was in school. I mean, Montgomery was great, but that's sort of like the crab stuff and like shoving his players. Like I, I kind of distanced myself a little bit from my basketball program and was heavily invested in football. And also <laughs> coincided with football being terrible or really underwhelming. So then it was like this transition for me to becoming more of a basketball fan uh, and excitement being about the program. And there's excitement in season and there's excitement out of season, uh, in the off season, which is also something I didn't feel like we got with Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, Montgomery always went for the more like under, I always felt like he went for the under the radar guys, except for Jabari. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not totally like he had three and four star guys, but for the most part, I, I was, I've never been like tuned into recruiting for basketball until Kwanzaa arrived. So with all that said, Certainly, he has he underwhelms on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think there's anyone who would say differently. Um, but as far as, like, my expectations for when we hired him and what he was able to deliver in the time he was at Berkeley, I was pretty satisfied. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally in the same boat. Uh, Montgomery, towards the end of his career at Cal, or I guess his career, too, since he retired after us, it was didn't really care about recruiting. You know, the whole Jabari thing, too, like, it, we got lucky with Jabari. We got lucky that his dad went to Cal. We got lucky that he was here locally, you know, and wanted to, and had that personality of wanting to jumpstart the program. Like, he wanted to be the guy to come in and just rejuvenate this fan base in terms of basketball. Granted, we had just won the Pac-12 a, a few years earlier. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, Ivan Rabb was always on the radar. Um, I had always followed basketball recruiting quite not, – not as in-depth as I do now, but I did, you know, at least keep in touch with, like, the top-tier guys just because it intrigued me to see how they panned out in college and then how they panned out in the pros. Um, but, you know, to have Ivan, who was regarded as the number one overall prospect going into his junior year of high school – and then some injuries nagged him, and he dropped a little bit to, like, sixth or whatever. But regardless, he finished as a top ten overall recruit in our backyard of Oakland. And we somehow magically decided pulled him away from Arizona despite the coaching change. And that right there spoke wonders to me was if you look at Konzo's recruiting thing with Jalen and with Ivan – he had a relationship with Jalen and his family when he was in t- Tennessee. He didn't have anything with Ivan. He didn't recruit him at Tennessee. So he has to come in and within a year develop a relationship with him and his family and convince them enough to stay with the ship of Cal despite a change in the captains. And 
guess he sold well enough that he decided to stay at home. Um, and then we also ended up pulling Jalen. Um, and then we also almost ended up with the likes of that could have been a monster, monster class. But, of course, that didn't pan out as we expected it to, but that's besides the point. Um, so, yeah, I the recruiting part always rejuvenates any fan base, I think. When a new coach comes in and he starts pulling in the four-star, five-star guys, regardless whether it's football or basketball, the hype around the program starts to build. Now, what you do with those four-star, five-stars is the next step. And I think he significantly delivered – well enough with those two guys last season. Of course, maybe we would have wanted a couple more wins, you know, but we got the highest seed in uh, our program's history. Uh, We went undefeated at home, and that alone to me was just, I saw the potential. I saw the potential of what you could do here at Cal. You don't have to settle here. It's doable to win. And to win good, um, and win in fun fashion too. You know those 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 home games last year. My goodness. Regardless of how the season ended, the, that those home games are gonna live with me for till the end of my days. Cause they were so much fun. Um, and the the high, you know, we never had like a hoops hysteria thing, right? We never had a midnight madness, but we did last year, and that just built and built and built. And, of course, this season was a terrible letdown. Um, but at the same time, I look back at it and I go, I wonder what Konzo could have done if he had more scholarships to work with. I wonder what could have happened if we had pushed this, let's say, one year further. Like, let's say, because right now we're losing six guys in terms of the, in terms of the scholarships available. You know, that, that freshman class or that sophomore class that Conzo had to work with was that last class that Montgomery re- recruited. And I'm not, this is not a knock on any of those guys. I love all those guys. That I really like the Jabari's class. But that's six guys that you didn't recruit that are on your roster, right? Not the type of players you want. Not the type of, you know, um, I don't know, just, yeah, just not the guys you wanted, right? And you have to mold those guys into the guys that you wanted and I mean, the flip side of it is that he didn't do that. But then the also the other side of it is that he just didn't have the roster depth at the positions that he wanted. You know, we didn't have a natural backup to Ivan. We didn't have a natural point guard backup to Sam um, when Ty was out. And then, of course, we got Charlie. But then you never want to rely on a freshman point guard. It's really tough. So those are just the little things. But overall, I'm, I'm totally with you. He elevated this program to a point where people can kind of merge Montgomery and Conzo's time here and go, all right, Montgomery won. Montgomery won titles here with the talent that he had, despite the fact that he gave up on recruiting a little bit. Conzo showed you can recruit here. Recruiting is not the issue. Like, you can get guys in, five, four-star, five-star guys. It's just the coaching part of it in game that you know was a little bit of it. Now, now the the expectation of the Cal fan base in terms of basketball has definitely risen. Now you look back at those two regimes and go, we find one guy that can kind of put half and half together. 
we could c compete annually. And that's where we stand now. And I think it's interesting to look at what Sonny Dykes called Cal, which is like a sleeping giant. And <coughs> when Ivan committed, he called, he said that Kwanzaa was really trying to build something special at Cal. So <coughs> as I die here, we have <coughs> a couple different coaches from the South uh, that are looking at this program from afar and seeing it as this like great white lighter, nighter, whatever, however the phrase yeah. goes. And once they get involved with it, and I, I believe that it really does, it's much different than what they imagine it to be. And there's that disas disassociation that comes in, like expectation versus reality. And just as our expectations rise for the expectation for to be at the number one public university, and then you add in the athletic program, versus the reality of it, of dealing with the UC Regents, dealing with a, um, you know, sexual harassment, whatever yeah case, like body that was that they put together that then had to <laughs> investigate it twice. Like that's not something that is uh, common elsewhere. And I wonder if there's just like an inner working of what we have over here that <laughs> that leads Mike Williams to go and find someone like Wilcox who understands what he's getting himself into. Uh, you know, someone that has a little bit more of that like baseline familiarity with how the UC system works, what you're going to have to actually deal with. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Williams lean on that again. And so far, the early list of candidates kind of, kind of signal, signals that he's looking that way too. But uh, I, I find it fascinating that both of them had that eye and like really that look in their eye, that twinkle in their eye about Cal. And then both of them try to leave early before their contract was up. Uh, I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, the, the coaching hire thing for at least Cal, it was one of those, I think going forward, it's going to be real weird. Um, do you want an up-and-comer? Um, do you want someone that will come later? Um, it's a. Uh, it's just one of those weird situations. Like, do you, like, do you want someone? Yeah, as I said, someone that's an up and comer or someone that's later in their career. It's definitely strange um, that we're put in this situation again, and the dynamic is so different, right? Whether it's whether you have a football coach or a basketball coach, like the an up and comer in basketball is so different from an up and comer in football, because the leniency you give to hiring a, let's say, an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator to a head coach is greater, right? Like, they don't need the head coaching experience. Whereas for a basketball coach, a guy who's n the number two on the bench, you kind of give a little bit of thought towards because he's never been the lead guy sitting at the front of the bench, right? So that's where the whole up-and-comer thing is. It's it's a toss-up. Because Wilcox never had any head coaching experience. He was only a defensive coordinator. And we were all excited about that. Would we be just as excited if we got a assistant elsewhere that doesn't have head coaching experience? You yes. Would? Yes? Well, if it was the Gates or whatever, yeah, for sure. And I guess that's a great little um, segue into who we could go for. Um, so... 
this list has just started circulating. Um, but the the lead guys, of course, I think are the usual suspects. You got St. Mary's coach Randy Bennett in your backyard. Definitely going to be one. You got gosh, that would be great. You got a. I, just uh, don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be great. Yeah. Um, you got. But that'd be more of like a Mike Montgomery hire, I think. I think I believe what he's fifty six, so you'd still have a good like twelve to fifteen years of coaching in him. But they don't shoot threes, right? They don't. Yeah, I think like he has a system. He gets a certain type of recruit, Australian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we got one of those <laughs> for the time being. For the time being. Um, so yeah, so let's start with that. Randy Bennett, St. Mary's. Then we got Eric Musselman, who's the coach at the University of Nevada, Reno. But there's significant red flags there um, because, one, he hired Jan Huffnagel when he was fired from Cal. So I don't know if you want to deal with that potential PR headache of it doesn't matter whether he brings Jan here with him or not, which I highly doubt he would if he were to be hired. But I don't think the administration or anyone wants to even go near someone that was affiliated with him or coached with him in the aftermath. I think it's easier to sell if, let's say, he coached with Huffnagel before Huffnagel came to Cal and then was fired, right? That, that's an easier sell than he hired him after we fired him for the sexual harassment case. So, But there is that guy. Um, there's also, of course... Is there, um, is there any truth? I thought, is it true at all that Musselman is also not necessarily a player's coach? See, I don't know. I... I he had he had stints in the NFL as the coach of the Kings, as the coach of the Warriors. Um, from what I understand, his coach with the Kings, he wasn't a player's coach. So if that's the case there, uh, I'm, I'm having second thoughts. Hmm. Definitely. Because that whole post about the two guys that were graduates of our program, yeah. I thought that they were kind of – that was like a cry for – not a cry, but a pl- not a plea either. It was like a call for a coach that really had the player's interests in mind. Yeah. When the school maybe doesn't as much. Yeah. So which is why it leads to the next one, right, who is Joe Pasternak. He's an Arizona assistant. He's most famous for kicking Jorge um, on the Arizona bench. Oh, yeah. He was a uh, – <laughs> about that. Yeah, he was a coach with Ben Braun from, uh, from 2001 to 07. And then he became the head coach of New Orleans, and then he became the Sean, basically Sean Miller's lead recruiter, other than himself. So that that allure is there because he's been here. He was here for six years. He knows how to recruit for Cal. He knows what limits and restrictions that he has to work with, um, and he would he would know the West Coast too because he's been a University of Arizona um, recruiter for God knows how long now along with all this time at Cal, too. So that's definitely there. I know a lot of people have bad sentiments about what he did to Jorge, the kicking. I am i don't like it either, but, yeah, it's just one of those weird, weird situations. Is there video evidence? There is. There is. You could actually look this up. Um, the next one, um, I guess the next two are actually Cal alums. Um, I guess I'll start with the one that's a little bit more less likely. Theo Robertson, um, who I believe has some Cal records uh, for single season, like three-point percentage and so forth. 
when he was at Cal his final year, Cal was actually in the top three of three-pointers made and three-point percentage in the country at that point. So he's currently a Lakers assistant. He was the video analyst or he was a video guy for Steve Kerr's Warriors last season. And then when Walton left to LA, he took Theo with him. And apparently, um, Steve Kerr really likes the guy. He's a big fan. Uh, so it would be the the Justin Wilcox type hire, right? Cal Roots. Um, he'd be inexperienced, but at the same time, he would rejuvenate a bunch of the alums that kind of wanted to deal with the whole young up-and-comer, knows Cal, went to Cal, and I think recruiting for him would per- come pretty easy, right? So he's on the bench with the Lakers right now? He's like, sitting in the back row, but yes, he's on the bench. He's on the back row? Yeah. So that's the thing. Is like, Does he have any ma- like management experience at all? Does not. That's Do you- that's Are there examples of people that come from that background and succeed? Or is it mm. generally like in coaching where you at least have to get to that like assistant title? I think you have to move up into the row. Like you have to move up into that second row. You have to be one of the guys in the huddle. Uh, right now he sits in that back row right behind the head coach and the assistant coaches. Gotcha. So, so it feels like a little bit of a stretch. It does feel like a stretch. But it, it, it's just you're just putting one and one together, right? You know, Cal guy who's working his way up the coaching staff is young, really young, actually. He's only 29 or 30. So he'd be one of the youngest head coaches probably in the country. <laughs> be, yeah. He'd be our age. Yeah. He'd come on the pod. Yeah. Well, we we went to college with him, which is the weirder part to me now. <laughs> so, yeah. Really dating ourselves. Yeah, real dating ourselves. But we're not even that old, really. All right, we're moving on. Uh <laughs> The last, or not the last, but another candidate is Dennis Gates, Florida State assistant. He's the lead recruiter at Florida State. Um, So here's a little spiel that uh, Avi wrote for him in our little mini coaching board that we made. Gates checks off all the boxes. He's essentially the consul Martin with all the Cal roots. Assistant with Ben Braun from 05 to 07, then spent time in Northern Illinois, Nevada. Has been at Florida State since 2011 as FSU's top recruiter. The Seminoles are number three seed in this year's NCAA tournament. Gates also checks off the academic boxes. Not only did he play at Cal from 99 to 02, he was named the Bears' most inspirational player in 2001 and was twice named Cal's outstanding student-athlete in 1999 and 2001. Gates promises uh, the recruiting prowess of Martin along with the familiarity of coaching at a different place like Cal. That is my guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm all in the Gates, Gates boat right now. I'm all in. The, the real, like, dream case scenario for me is if you bring Gates and you somehow convince Theo to come back. Hmm. Now, that, that would be fun because not only do you have two guys that went to Cal, you have one that just up until last, or, you know, if he were to join up, just up until last year was working in the NBA with the likes of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and, you know, my Lakers that aren't great, but, you know, have some decent young talent with the likes of D'Angelo Russell and Julius and Brandon Ingram and so Is on and so forth. a good time to bring up that you said that they're going to get the eighth seed this year? Yeah. yeah. It looked good <laughs> up until about mid-December. And then we had that crazy losing streak. But that's neither here nor there. Um, hot take. Hot take. But Gates has brought in, what, I believe a top – 
10 class the last three years to Florida State. That's incredible. Nationally? Nationally. So you somehow pull him over here. Hey, come home. And the whispers, just like, just like Missouri told Konzo, right? Come home, come home, come home. Except we'll be doing that. It's like, hey, come back to the Bay Area. Come back, come back. Um, I think that could work. Um, I know personally um, from a guy who I will not name, uh, but I've been talking to him about the Dennis Gates potential hire, and he said he has all the highest respect for the guy um, and that he, if he, if he is the type of coach um, and recruiter that he remembers him to be as a player, he's going to be one hell of a good coach in terms of a head coach. So I am, I mean, there's a reason they called him the sheriff. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they called him the sheriff um, in Berkeley when he was here. Because he's that great of a defensive player. Mm. So that's the thing, too, is that he's a defensive-minded coach. So you bring him in, and he, I think he would be just as, or actually more open, at least on the offensive side of it. He'd be more open to learning. And that's where Theo comes in. Because you got Theo now, who's watched the offense blossom with the Warriors. He also watched that offense blossom not to that extent, but certainly the offense of the Lakers has gotten better than previous years. And he also saw, he also played in Montgomery's system. So he has basically two and a half, I'd say, types of offenses that he's worked with and been doing. And you bring him in as assistant coach, he could start bringing in some of those things that he's learned. And that's where he grows from there. So you bring in Dennis Gates and his defensive background and maybe Theo coming and sp- sitting on the bench. and not. I'm not saying he would be your number one offensive assistant, but just as give him a bigger role. And he, I think you have a pretty solid coaching staff in the making. Question is, do we have the money to do so? Because we just have hired a new chancellor to our school, Carol Christ. I think it's Christ, right? Or is it Christ? Christ. 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 So, um, I guess we can talk about that for like a, a minute or two. I have an inside source. I can't name who it is. Okay. But they say that she's amazing. Okay. And that she's going to do a tremendous amount of good things. For the school? Mm-hmm. Or for the athletics department? However... Uh, that there's a potential for um. <coughs> hmm. I don't even know if I should say that much. I would just say. Well, let me let me. Uh, I'll I'll finish that thought for you. Let me read um a quote from, from Gorsi. Ryan Gorsey. No, I know his quote. Yeah, I actually know his quote well. The reason why I want to come out and say good things about Carol is because I know people that have worked with her and they rave about their experiences working with her. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, like I like love Gorsi. I just felt that as the first tweet that we read as sports fans to to come out and have it be so (laughs) one sided, like, you know, my sources say that this is bad for athletics. It could mean cuts. I don't disagree with that, that it could mean cuts, but it, it could also happen in a different way than that. 
and what it does to the athletic side is I saw that and was like, oh, no. Like, that was my reaction. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. But then as I get to talk to people about it, she's incredibly well put together. Someone that runs, like, uh, is very well respected. And it might mean that there's a bigger emphasis on fundraising for some athletic departments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But at the same time, um, someone that can actually do a serious amount of good for the university as a whole and is entirely bought into the mission of Cal. And so I'm actually, as someone that's involved in both athletics and, and also in academics, um, I am really excited about it more so than anything. And I, I felt like I initially wasn't. And after having like multiple conversations with folks that are in the university, I'm actually pretty excited for what could happen. Although I understand that there is, there is some nervousness that should persist on the athletic side. Yeah. I can't seem to find the quote. Um, <laughs> just said that my, but my sources say that this is not good, good news for, for the athletics department. Yeah. And then he followed it up and said, this good mean programs will be cut. Yeah. Which we kind of saw coming, right? I mean, the athletics department at this point is, is I don't know the specifics, but kind of bleeding money left and right, along with the debt that has accrued from the Memorial Stadium renovations. So as, as much as I don't want to see sports go, if you're going to be ruthless about it, some of them are going to have to go. But that's the thing. It's like everyone jumps to this conclusion that the sports have to go, and it, it doesn't have to be that. No, it doesn't. It could be a proposal that's, okay, you're going to be responsible for fundraising X amount more. And if you, yeah, if you can't fundra- if you can't get that amount of money, then unfortunately that leads to the program being gone. Yeah. Uh, the flip side of this, uh, the question I wanted to ask would be, if this is it, th- I don't have any inside information about what she's going to do in terms of the, the budget and so on, but the immediate thought for me was if, because... When I saw Gorsi's tweet about that, the immediate thought I met, I th- or the immediate way I interpreted it was that means she's cutting funding to the athletics department, which means, in turn, less money for revenue sports to work with, which in turn means less money to go out and use to hire a coach. Could be all real. Right. Mm, that's, Could be that's, all real. That's legit. Yeah. So that, that, that was my thought process in it, and I go, ooh, that's going to suck, like, right as of right now. Because we were already struggling to maybe convince Conzo to stay with a, a better package, right? And this hype around this basketball stadium is crazy good. Like, it, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy to notice that when you go to Haas to watch basketball games and stuff, the attendance has increased per game, right? There's more people coming to watch the games especially over the last two years. And that's bringing in money. And I don't like the term you have to spend money to make money. But in terms of this type of stuff with a coaching hire, you might have to, to get a better profile coach to come in and kind of do well. But of course, any coaching hire is a gamble, right? You're just not going to know how that's going to play out. But yeah, it's a funny, it's a pretty funny parallel because you can, so my thought is, my thought on the athletics front is we threatened to cut these programs when I was in school, and then we rallied and raised a ton of money 
like uh, there's a lot of money raised. Like the baseball Where has program. that money gone? Yeah. So if you get somebody in there that can run a more sustainable business, I agree. You're, like your point is pretty much spot on about the funding and, and that what it limits and on the recruiting side and where it has impacts on assistant coaches. Like I think that's all valid. I, I don't really have much against that. I just say that uh, there's also probably room for an opportunity for somebody to come in with fund with money that's been fundraised and spend it more appropriately and find a way to do it in a way that's sustainable long term because it seems like I don't even want to put Dirks down but I I don't have a tremendous amount of faith in his ability to do that I haven't seen it and then he started another task force to get rid of like evaluate programs again it just seemed like oh we raised this money and it didn't work so let's start a task force and evaluate whether or not we want to keep them it's like what about everything we just gave you? Like, why is it continuing to fail? That's what we don't have the insight into that I would love to know is, like, why is our athletic department bleeding cash? What, what in the world are we doing that is causing us to lose at this rate that a UCLA isn't doing? Or is UCLA doing it? What is the comparison set? How is Berkeley the one that is <laughs> yeah. losing this much money? Like, I don't get it. Uh, well, what I would like to see is just historically – I wonder in terms of the full budget, right, in terms of the, the – if you just look at the books, I, I just really want to see um, when football or basketball was doing good, when they were, when they were winning and they were, they were locking in season tickets and they were doing that. Like let's say during the Tedford years, like the peak Tedford years. I wonder as the athletics department as a whole, were they doing a lot better than when they are now? Like I, I really want to – I, I don't know where to get this information, but it would be interesting to see. Because if that's the case, if we, can, if we can find either a correlation that, I mean, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I just don't want to speak to things that I don't have any information about. But if there's a correlation between successful basketball or football programs to decreasing a debt or to, to, to balancing a book as an athletics department as a whole, and then that in turn, you don't see cutting of sports, actually, or maybe you see an increase of sports, because that re- those revenue sports are bringing enough cash to be able to fund other programs, that would actually be interesting to look at. Because if that's the case, then you do need your revenue sports to succeed. Of course, that's a given. Right? You, you need football and basketball to do well to bring in those tickets and to raise money for this platform. But um, I would like to see the specifics. Like That would be pretty interesting to look at. That's what Mike Williams talked about yeah. when he said we let go of Sonny, is that once again, you can almost look at it as this parallel between uh, kind of like running a startup and the way that he talked about it was you have to have football and the revenue sports, football and basketball lead the way for all the other programs to be healthy. And right now, football is renewing at what, like 30%? Yeah, renewals. it's terrible. So I got a call today asking, you? Yeah, asking to um, <laughs> buy season tickets. I haven't, I haven't bought tickets in like a year and a half. Because, of course, I'm up in the press box now. Um, that's, so, what I, that's what I'd say. I'm yeah. Like, so I got a call today saying, like, oh, you haven't bought a ticket in, like, a year and a half. Like, we just wanted to see if you were interested in, like, getting a season ticket package. Like, we have a really good opportunity available for you. Like, I didn't pick up the call because I was – I don't know what I was doing, but I, I heard the voicemail afterwards. I was like, this is so – this is bad if they're cold calling me like this. Well, they, they do that to me about every yeah. eight months. They did last year. They're always they really did. Nice. They did. Um, so I think they've identified that 
those two programs need to leave the way. Yeah. And everything else is made better. It doesn't mean that those other programs that are not leading the way are not at jeopardy in no. jeopardy. And that's uh, that's the the cold truth is someone's going to come in and evaluate it. But I'm way more excited about having her in place and the first woman chancellor Cal, um, and continuing to be to like be a place that can lead in the progress, like in the area arena of progress and. Um, and I was ready to see Dirks be gone. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm willing to give her the chance. I'm not going to write her off that she's going to, you know, she's going to turn us into, like, a D2 school, you know, or, like, turn us into an Ivy League. Like, I, I don't see that happening. Um, but, you know, just because of cool what we'd be going to the NCAA tournament every year in the Ivy League. True. Actually, I don't know though. Princeton's no. pretty good. Yeah. Well, the the difference is, could we football make it, though? We'd be great. <laughs> could Could you make it work without the scholarships though? Because Ivy League does not have athletic scholarships. Oh. See, but could you make that? See, that's that's the thing for me, is like competing against the Ivies. It's. Yeah, I mean, it's you're competing. Like, we give athletic scholarships. They don't. So they're paying their way or finding scholarships through that. I just don't think that – I mean, I have friends that, you know, applied to scho- for scholarships and grants and stuff and just didn't get it. And they're just normal guys who studied their way into Cal. Or guys and girls, I mean. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, and that happened to them. Like, if that money's not there for them as well, it's going to be tough to get it for them plus all the athletes as well, especially at a public school. We're just cash-strapped, basically. Hashtag public school education. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> public school thoughts. Um, so, so I think, just to wrap up, you and I are firmly in the Gates train. Yeah, but let me throw one other candidate that came out today. Okay. Steve Lavin. Who is currently a Fox Sports analyst, mm-hmm. a former coach of UCLA and St. John's. Right. What do you think? What? Oh, you, what do you want to know? What I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, uh, Avi, uh, I, th- I believe it was Avi put out an article today on our website um, that said that Steve Lavin is interested, apparently, in the Cal gig. Um, let me see if there's a quote in here from him or or elsewhere. I'm just loading it up. Um, Jordan Schultz, who is, see, let me see. I've never heard this guy's name before. Uh, he is a Bleacher Bleacher Report uh, college hoops analyst, uh, Huffington Post sports columnist as well. He tweeted out saying that Steve Lavin, who grew up in SF, also told me that in addition to the Washington job, Cal would be an ideal spot as well. Ideal. Yeah. So let me just read you a little blurb. Originally from the Bay Area, Marin County product from San Anselmo, and uh, attended San Francisco State for college. Started his coaching career as an assistant at Purdue with Gene Keady, who was the mentor of Conzo Martin as well. Before moving on to UCLA, uh, Keady would recruit Conzo Martin to Purdue just after Lavin's departure. Just a little interesting tidbit there. Uh, Lavin's biggest strength is recruiting, as Jim Hark's uh, lead recruiter, who was the head coach at UCLA at the time. Lavin managed to land NBA talents such as Jalen McCoy, J.R. Henderson, Baron, Baron Davis, Earl Watson, Matt Barnes, Jason Capono, Trevor Reason, Ryan Hollins. Uh, that's quite a pretty good talent haul. So, yeah, 
the big issue was performance. Lavin's UCLA teams were rightly guarded as underachievers, given the amount of talent he was able to recruit. After the Elite Eight appearance in his first year, UCLA made the Sweet 16 four out of five seasons, but went no further. Lavin made two NCAA appearances in five years with St. John's in 2011-2015, going one and done both times. St. John's finished third twice and tied for fifth another time in the Big East. If we went to the Sweet 16 four out of five years, I would lose it. Yeah. <laughs> I would lose it. I mean, we just talked about this with the Warriors and how the ticket prices have gone up and expectations. Right, so, perfect example. Last night, went to the Warriors game. Warriors won the Pacific Division again. Yeah. And... Every, it's an afterthought. Yeah. Like, they barely even put confetti. They did, like, confetti that you throw into the air rather than the cannons. They don't even do the cannons for it anymore. Talk to 2009, Andy, <laughs> about the Warriors' chances of winning the Pacific Division after our 07 Magic and 08 had flamed out and the whole organization looked like it was going downhill again. Like, what about going back to the Spreewell days? It's crazy how quickly expectations change. Mm-hmm. Four to five years, Sweet 16 for me is like, I don't, I could understand at a point where you'd be like, oh, well, like, we could have done so much more, like the Tedford-esque yeah. approach. But the person, me now, in this moment, sitting here, says, four to five years in the Sweet 16? I'll take that any day of the week. That sounds, that was way better than what we're getting with Quanzo Martin. <laughs> but then obviously, St. John's performance is a little bit, Less consistent, but even still, you know, that two out of three, two, you know, two right. out of four years in the NCAA tournament, um, so the, that's fine by me. Like, my standards aren't that high for basketball. Like, I just right. like being competitive. Right. I don't want to be Washington or Oregon State or Arizona State. We have a great tradition of a solid basketball program, and I think that top four, top three, that's, that's totally fine by me. I'm all in the all, I'm all in the same boat. I think expectations are going to be raised. If we made the Sweet 16, let's say, the, the last four out of five years, I'm sure we might be calling for our coach's head because <laughs> our expectation would be to get over that hump and to maybe get into the Elite Eight or maybe see one Final Four out of those times, right? Because if you're, if you're getting into the Sweet 16, you've got a pretty good solid team right it's not like you're going to be having a cinderella story for four straight years at some point that talent does is no longer a luck it's it's talent also also coaching also coaching yes of course because brad Um, stevens never had the talent no he did not (laughs) no yeah that's definitely true uh but so here's the thing with ucla his ucla years though is I look at I compare what he has done right now to what Steve Alford has done with the UCLA teams of the last three to four years. He's had the talent. This is the first year that they look like maybe they can reach that potential of talent. But you look at the number of recruits that they that he brought in over the years and look at the name of you know this list that Lavin brought at UCLA, at some point you got to look at it and go, does maybe UCLA just recruit itself? Hmm. Is it more of the school, the allure of the history, the John Wooden seat, the, the banners, the, you know, the Bill Waltons, the, you know, the Kevin Loves, the Russell Westbrooks, the guys that have just come through, and it's more about the school and the allure of living in Westwood and, and you know, all that good stuff versus actually having a really good recruiter and co- pulling them in and coaching them up. 
right? I, that's where I've started to have the hesitations about this because I see so many similarities with Lavin's years at UCLA versus Alfred's years right now at UCLA because Alfred right now is a good look for as the replacement to Tom Crean because he was just fired at, at Indiana going back home and, and taking up that, that role there. Um, and That's people are it. curious to see if would he be able to recruit the same if he were to move on to to Indiana. So I truly think that's a fantastic point. Yeah, it's, that's the that's the only question mark I have about Lavin. Is just because of what I'm seeing right now with Alfred. Is it the school or was it actual him recruiting? Let's do some questions. Yeah. You want to read out the questions? You got the questions? Yeah. Uh, First one is from Standing for Science. At Salish Bears. Is it Salish Bears? Salish Bears? Salish. I don't know. Salish. Salish. He's got cool gloves, though. Yeah, he does. He does. <coughs> My only question is why Quanzo hasn't given a parting message to all Cal fans. No goodbye. Yeah. And the second part of that question is, I respected the hell out of his wisdom, humanity, leadership. We honored him. A goodbye question mark. Yeah, see, I was talking to Andy about this before we started recording, too. That's the only part that I'm so iffy about. It's because up until this point, he was, you know, this Cal family, you know, all that, all that stuff, right? You know, teaching them how to become a man. It's more than just the on-field, on-court stuff. It's about how, he's, how he grows up as an individual, so on and so forth. But, you know, he, he was literally, like, just chased out of Knoxville. Like, Tennessee fans do not like him at all. And you can see it with how Tennessee fans react to, like, Conzo losing to, like, all the, any of the Golden Blocks things. And he, they still follow him to this day. But then we welcomed him with open arms, right? Um, we embraced what he was preaching and what he wanted to do here, which he did to a certain degree. Of course, some fans were upset with him um, due to his in-game stuff. But clearly, uh, we all loved what he did here. And then for him to just literally up and leave. Like, I think the timing was right. If, you know, if he... The news broke, I believe, on Wednesday. It's Friday right now. Or not Saturday, since it's past midnight. But because he easily just put something up on Twitter thanking all the Cal fans for their three years. And even if it were empty words, it just... That just shows his character, right? And for him to not say a single word and just bounce to Missouri and change his, you know, Twitter stuff all to Missouri stuff. Granted, I'm sure someone else runs his Twitter page. It's not really him. <laughs> uh, like, he was, he was tagged in this conversation. Yeah. And we were like, we've lost respect for him. Yeah. <laughs> or it's dwindled. Yeah. Um, what I will say is there's two types of people in this world. Obviously, there's not only two texts. <laughs> there's people that know how to say thank you, and there's people who don't. And I think it's truly the way you're raised. <coughs> I don't know if I'm sure Kwanzaa Martin knows how to say thank you. It seems like he, he embraces that, but maybe he doesn't. It is bizarre that you wouldn't at least acknowledge the time that you had in a place yep. before leaving to the next, but I don't really know if he acknowledged the time he had in Tennessee before moving to Cal. But the thing, the thing is, it's I, they it's, had the petition. And I, yeah, the that, that that I think I felt that was so different. 
then, <clears throat> but maybe the birds were louder than we thought. Maybe the donors were, maybe let, maybe, I don't know, like, he's, his, the bench is directly in front of the donors, so maybe yeah. the donors were, like, yelling at the Oregon game, or yeah. maybe some of the people that were sort of on the fence, like, a lot of fans were pretty indifferent to him leaving. In fact, some didn't, like, didn't even care, like, some, in fact, were happy. I wonder if maybe he uh, he didn't feel as maybe we're not the fans that he heard or we're not the vibe that he got of those that were like, yeah, like, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Maybe. But I look at I look at the flip side <laughs> and go, if you're only listening to what the donors were telling you, then you're clearly not looking at the people that were filling up Haas in the in the nosebleeds. Um, you look at the Arizona game, you look at all those big games, and you see your crowd out there cheering for you, whether it's the students. I mean, hell, at least thank the students. You know, they, they filled out that bench night in and night out over the last or two the players. years. Or the players, too. Or the, even the football guys that were always there. And of course, you know, that's more of like a they have friends on the roster and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, just you don't need to th- – yeah, maybe you don't need to thank the fans. But thank the university, at least. At the very least, for the opportunity he gave you to come out and here and, and coach here, right? Well, like, well, I can you can play devil's advocate, right? You totally could, you could, you easily could. Devil advocate on the whole. All right, invest one investigation. Oh wait, now we have to do a second investigation and calling to question his character. Yeah. That could have rubbed. I mean, I think Reef was the one who said I'd read a tell-all book about his time at Cal, and I do think there are some interesting aspects there of. You know, someone that considers himself to be family yeah. man, family values, uh, like servant of God, what have you, and then have his validity or character brought into question not once but twice, and then um, seem you know be cleared twice like that. It's not fun for anyone to go through that, yeah. and I don't maybe hasn't left his mind as much as it sort of left ours. Maybe, maybe I'm not trying to justify it. It's easy. Yeah, it, literally, you go online. It's, it's and you type out 140 characters. Thank you to the University of California, thank you the, to the fans, fans, and most of all, the players. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. See you soon. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Easy. It could be empty words. It literally could be empty words. But that just means you're taking the high road there, right? Regardless of what, it, what transpired in the past. Agreed. But you're not doing that. And that seriously brings in the question for me, maybe it, he wasn't all that... The same as I thought he was. And it, it, that saddens me. That saddens me very much. People are like, why, why, are you, why do you care so much about like a thank you note or like anything or any parting words? I don't know. It, it irks me the wrong way that he's not saying anything. And a note to anyone out there who's interviewing or has ever interviewed or plans on interviewing ever for a job. <laughs> Always send a thank you. Always send a thank you, preferably a handwritten thank you if you want to go that far, but a thank you nonetheless. Within 24 hours. I think that's the general rule of thumb you should go by. I'll be leaning and give about two days, but after the first day, I'm like, where's that thank you, though? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your time and, you know, the opportunity. Done. Um, There's a – there's, like, one more question. Uh, This one's, one's like, a little bit out – but um, Kevin Mowong sent us, any word if the team found out about Kansas' new gig before the first round of the NIT and led to poor play? Um, from what I understand, I don't know. 
I I I don't know uh, whether he was meeting with Missouri officials, um, whether he told the team prior to Tuesday's game. Um, that's something that we might not ever find out until like 40 years later and we interview one of these guys on the team. And, you know, at that point, it doesn't matter anymore. See, the Sun guy just tells it all. But as of right now, we'll never know. But I will say this. Things transpired way too quickly. Uh, the rumors of, like, the other, other schools' openings were last week. And then we had our NIT game on Tuesday. And then he resigns on Wednesday and then signs his contract. Or, I mean, official news from Missouri comes out later Wednesday afternoon. Like, you know, welcoming head coach Conzo Martin on their Twitter page and all. So that's the only question mark I have about how the events transpired is that is really fast. Like, there's, there's just no way knowing all I know of sports and how – even like the most min- minuscule of like re- renegotiations occur, like there's no there's no way in hell that it could have happened over a, a night. <laughs> zero chance. There's zero chance that that happened. There's just so much paperwork that goes into all of this that it could happen overnight, and that's the only part about it that I'm skeptical about about this whole process of the week. That combined with the porter hire, right? The yeah, porter hire seems equally improbable, right? In the turnaround time, yeah. And well, porter still hasn't hasn't been made official. It's just mm-hmm. like reporting of people that oh, he it looks like he's going to join him in Missouri. Um, but even then, if those reports are coming out that quickly, yeah, someone someone's leaking that information. Right? It's not like you know they're they're just kind of putting one in one together. It's not like a reporter saying. Oh, Porter's from Missouri. Conzo's leaving to Missouri. Like, and Porter doesn't have a job. Maybe Conzo calls Porter and sees if he'll bring his son and him along to Missouri. Like, it, it's not the hypothetical. It's someone reporting saying, sources tell me that Porter is joining Conzo on the staff at Mizzou. So that's the only part I have the, the question marks about. But, yeah, um, that's it for our, our little mini basketball post podcast thing. We'll have more info within the net. I'm from all I've gathered, it does seem like this process is going to go pretty swiftly. It feels like another I mean, in terms of a timeline, it's not like signing days coming up or anything like football is, but we do have a class of 5 and two of which are signed. We need to convince those guys to stay, and we need that means we need to hire a coach quickly. So I think it'll happen real, real soon. That's it. That's pretty much. That's really it. Yeah. Um, we will probably be back next week. Um, actually, I think I will be back next week. I'm questionable. Andy is very questionable. <laughs> um. I think we'll have a couple of guests on to cover for the next couple of weeks because the man here is getting married very soon. So um, he has to get married, go on his honeymoon and so on. So he'll be back in high spirits when he does come back. So that is it for us. Um, we will, I will be back with a couple of guests, as I said, next week. 
in the week after. And in between that time, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, uh, just don't hesitate to tweet at us. I'm at Rob11HWNG. Andy's at Andy J. Beastmode. You can email us at cgbbearcast at gmail.com and also goldenblogs at gmail.com. And find our stuff on CaliforniaGoldenBlocks.com. I'm actually covering football practice and stuff for the next few weeks, so follow me if you want any updates on that. The only thing is uh, football practices are closed other than uh, next Friday, I believe, and then two Saturdays in April. So I'm not allowed to I, – I, they let the reporters in to take glimpses into certain sessions, um, but I'm not allowed to report on anything I, I see. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk what? about anything. Yeah, oh, well. it's back to the old, apparently the old Tedford ways of how they handle the media. So it's very, very strict on what I can say, what I can't say, what I'm allowed to see, what I'm not allowed to see. Mm. So, oh well, oh well. But there you have it. That's it. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it. Why you tell the story? Why you tell the whole damn world this is Bears territory? You know. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com